The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. It's Pharrell on a bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat, a broken ate a bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad adders, bad taste, bad logs, bad dude, bad bread, bad attention, bad vibes. You gotta love it, a little Pharrella podcast that we're bringing you from Sports Grid and Fantasy Sports Radio. You can hear us now every day doing the podcast. And of course, you can see us on Sports Grid every afternoon, 4 to 6 East nationally on Coast to Coast. And then it's 7 to 9 East nationally on In Game Live. So I do the shows from the Meadowlands FanDuel Sportsbook on Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays, I do it at Versa, which is a kick-ass bar restaurant in the Renaissance Hotel on 35th Street and 7th Avenue in New York City in Midtown, right next to the Garden. People dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do better. All my friends, they come around, flats of flats of party, oh, what a mess, this town's a tatter, my brains are splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake so here's the deal the shows on the sports grid app and then you know both of them coast to coast and in game live and then all you have to do with the sports grid app is click watch live so you download it for free click watch live and you get every show right there on your phone or on your computer and then uh, some people are savvy enough to put it on their smart TVs so that's kick ass it's also on the Pluto TV app channel 517 the Zumo TV app channel 719 and it's on Watchster app channel 352 it's also on youtube sports grid tv3 so you go to youtube and slash sports grid tv3 get you in there it'll be on the normal youtube slash sports grid page in the coming weeks 
They're dealing with some stuff over there, so don't even sweat that. So we're going to be doing this podcast every day so people can hear me just going off on stuff and talking about everything, sports, life, you name it. Every day I'm going to bang it out. You remember I was doing Pharrell on the Bets, which was a cool sports betting show that I was doing back in the day. What happened was I was doing it on Westwood One, and I did it for about eight months every day, six days a week. It became a massive pain in my ass. And then uh, the bottom line was I had to deal with them to split the revenue on the show. And I wasn't getting paid, so I quit doing it. It's that simple. That show ended because I wasn't getting my croutons. I need to get my flambitos. I need to get that cash base, son. Stacks. Bands will make her dance. So anyway, I came to Sports Grid from CBS Sports Radio after seven years to do two TV shows and the podcast. So I think you're going to dig it. And I'll tell you about what happened there momentarily. One last thing I wanted to say. I thought the Super Bowl was awesome. I thought the Niners blew it. It's real simple. Third and 15, you give up a 56-yard strike. Mahomes lets it rip to Hill on the 44-yard bomb, 56 yards in the air on a play that you you stop him there, you win the game. You stop him there, it's over. Instead, you give up that. They dial that up, and then they score, and then obviously Williams scored again on the run. Uh, After the, you know, Kelsey score, it was 24-20, and then... You get another run into the end zone and made it 31-20. You're up 20-10 to 10 with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl in Miami. You got to win that game. It is unbelievable to me that the Texans were up 24-0 on Kansas City and blew it. And that the Titans were up 10 twice and blew it. And then the Niners were up 10 with seven minutes to go and ended up blowing it and getting their ass beat. That is unbelievable to me. Really, it makes me sick. I'm not mad that I lost the bet because I had the Niners to win and plus one and a half. I'm mad because my best friend died. I don't care about the football game. I don't care about losing a bet. Everyone, Mafia, Carver, they know the truth. PharrellOnTheBench.com is the best handicapping service in the world. I hit wild card bets out the ying. I hit divisional semis out my ass. I hit the title games out my ass. All I did was make people fat stacks. And then I get the Super Bowl wrong and everybody wants to blame me. Here's me laughing at you because I hit so many plays and so many money lines and spreads and totals through the entire playoff run and prop bets in the Super Bowl that I don't give a rat's ass what you think of me. How's that sound? How do you like them apples? So whatever. Everybody knows I hit millions of bets. That's all there is to it. I've lost Super Bowls before. I've lost bets. I lose bets every day. I lose bets every week. Everybody that bets loses. But I hit so many goddamn bets, it'll make your head spin. Everybody knows I'm the most dangerous handicapper. Why do you think I got the gig at Sports Grid? Because of my teeth, my breath, my good looks? I'm old. I'm creepy. 
but I'm good looking. Chicks dig me. That's what's up. Carver High I hooked up with to talk about the Super Bowl in itself. And I've already expressed that I thought that the Niners blew it. You're up 10 with seven minutes to go. Any way you slice it, I don't care what you say. They didn't get it done. You got to get it done. I thought that, you know, obviously the bomb to Hill changed the whole game. And that they gave that up on a third and 15 was their death certificate from the morgue. Yeah, for me, Scotty, it was two things. The bomb to Hill, which changed the game, like you said, giving the Chiefs a lot of life. And I thought the way that Shanahan called the game down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's got drives where he runs for seven yards on first down and then he throws on second and third down. It looked exactly like what he did in the 28-3 game a couple years ago with Atlanta. Horrible job by him. He gave the Chiefs life and let him back in the game. But his stock's going through the roof. They're giving him a new deal. It shouldn't be anymore. Listen, you can't trust that guy in a big game now. Look what he's done. He has the two biggest choke jobs in Super Bowl history. That guy was seven minutes left up 10. He had like 96% to win the game with all their charts and graphs that they do. 99% in the 28-3 game. He's got two of the biggest choke jobs on his hands. I'm never betting on that guy in a big game, ever. Were you surprised that they let Garoppolo throw the bomb on third down. That's a very low percentage pass. They're playing a prevent. They got safety back. But let's be honest. He throws that that ball on the money, and that's a touchdown. Sanders had a beat. It's a score. Make a better throw. You know, you're trying to get down there. You're trying to make it happen. The call was right. So you think it was not too dangerous? It was the right call, just a bad throw? I thought it was a bad throw. That throw was on the money, and that game might be different on Sunday night. So Brady would have been on the money, Garoppolo's uh, eight yards long. How about Brady on the money? How about Eli in those Super Bowls on the money? How about Patrick Mahomes, those last couple drives in the fourth quarter? On the money. And Mahomes, Scotty, for me, was having the worst game of his career before that fourth quarter. Did you ever see him look that bad in any game before? The off throws behind receivers, just rattled he looked. But he got it done when it counted, so. That he threw two picks in the Super Bowl and got away with it. He got away with it. And the second one, you know, off of Hill's hands, and it ends up in the in the guy. Just I thought when they got that one, it was it was off. That was around the seven, eight minute mark where they got the ball back. That's where they needed to pound the rock and finish that game off. And they're throwing the football on second and third down and gave them the ball back. I just still don't know what they were doing there. And then, you know, they give the ball back to Kansas City. They got three timeouts left. And they let this guy run around the end and go to the hizzy. Like, what are you doing, man? You can't make a tackle and shut that down and call three timeouts? Yeah, I couldn't believe it, too. And then that gave you some possibilities to open the back door for the over at that point because then the 49ers were getting them. You didn't think that game was ever going over with the way that that game was playing. And all of nowhere, now you have a possibility for the over. So many things. Make a tackle on the guy. But if you had the Chiefs, it was the put away for you. 
you. No question about that. I thought the 49ers did a lot of wrong things. I mean, how about at the end of the first half where they had an opportunity to get the ball with a minute and 45 seconds left? They don't call a timeout. They let 40 seconds run down on the clock. Like, what are you doing in that spot? What did they get called on the bomb? Uh, that was the offensive pass interference on Kittle, which I thought was a little weak. Now, did he have his hand out a little bit on the guy? Maybe. Did you think on the play at the sideline when Garoppolo got jacked from behind was a a late hit and was a flag? Because the entire staff, including Shanahan, freaked on that ref. I thought that ref messed up. I honestly thought he was still in bounds at the time. He's a runner. He wasn't giving himself up. Was he maybe heading towards the sideline? But he wasn't out of bounds yet. And unless he's sliding or doing he's a runner on the field. I thought it was a good non-call. And what about the uh, Williams score on the foot out of bounds? I thought that was a bad call. That was super close. I honestly thought he was out. I thought He was out. I thought he was out before he got the ball across. Because he was. And I wanted to see what they would have done there. They probably would have kicked it. It would have been fourth and goal from the one. Probably would have kicked it. a kick would have tied the game. The game at 20, and it would have been a whole other ball game, but... I was really wanted to see that call. I mean, his toe is just there when he's leading the ball out. Pereira said on the air. Half of his foot went out of bounds. Pereira said it was the right call on the air. I, I mean. Pereira was high. <laughs> he might have been, but super close. Um, there, I couldn't believe those guys didn't even, uh, you know, Buck or Aikman and Pereira, none of them had the stones to admit that he was out of bounds before he went over the goal line. You got to be kidding me. What idiot. You could have been drunk and seen that he didn't get in. Yeah, I I thought it was super close, and I'm with you. I leaned towards he was out before he got the ball across. It was any other game, he would have been out, and they would have been kicking that field goal. Hey, the way the 49ers were going, who knows? Maybe the Chiefs get a three and out, and they win that game still in regulation, but at least it would have added a little bit more juice to it. 49ers give up the ball. That's when Williams then takes it to the house for the put-away touchdown, The you know, after the series after that. Man, what a choke job. That's the only way I just keep going back to. I'm just glad it's over. Now we can focus on March Madness and the Stanley Cup and NBA. Let's go. It's almost that season, right? We got playoffs, NBA, NHL. Could round the corner, March Madness. Let's do it here. I love this action. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So anyway, a lot of people want to know about what happened to me at CBS Sports Radio, right? I've gotten millions of emails and tweets and messages, instant messages about what happened. So I'm going to tell you the story. So I went back to work at CBS Sports Radio at the uh, beginning of the year on January 1st, but only after they begged me to come back. I mean, the bottom line was what happened was I got an offer to leave to do Sports Grid, and it was just an offer I couldn't refuse. I mean, it was just a kick-ass deal, and I accepted it. And I was going to do it no matter what. So I signed that deal on the day after Christmas on December 26th. That was a Thursday that I signed the deal. And then on Friday, my agent told Losercom that I was quitting. And they didn't like that at all. I know that much. And that phone call got real ugly between my agent and the the head of programming for Losercom. Uh, we'll call him from now on on this show moving forward, Idiot Face. So Idiot Face and my agent went at it and um, you know he threatened him with all kinds of this and that, legal action and whatever. Because you know, they thought I was going to come back to uh, do the show in January, January 1st, and that they had a deal with me to move forward. And... Um, The bottom line was, is that this guy had made me an offer, which was the worst offer I'd had in my career in 20 years. So idiot face made me an offer, which was a giant pay cut. And he wanted me to accept that, bend over and get spanked and call Charlie and do what he, you know, wanted me to do, which was lose a ton of money. And just smile and take it and keep doing the show and making him money because I make him a lot of money, right? My show's huge. I have huge sponsors up and down my show. I'm the only show there, literally, that did, you know, remotes. I was in Vegas all the time doing the shows for PBC Boxing, Premier Boxing Champions. I was doing shows for Mayweather Promotions for years, Golden Boy 
boxing for years. I was doing shows for William Hill Sportsbook in London and uh, William Hill US. I was doing shows for the D Casino. I was doing shows at the MGM. And all I ever did was make idiot face money. And he, idiot face, said that that was my job. He said that my job was to make him money. That I was going to get this big pay cut and I was going to like it. And so what I did was I let him think that I was going to take his miserable job and miserable offer. I let him believe that I was going to do that because I hate his guts dead. So just so we're clear how much I hate this guy, I want to beat his ass. I mean, I literally, if I ever meet him, I'm going to throw him across a room. Know that. I want nothing but ill will in his life and misery and torture. And uh, I literally wish he was on a ski accident over the weekend and his family. But instead of all that evil and hatred, because I never talked to the guy once ever, just so you know, I never met him. I don't know him. I don't know what he looks like. He's just some powerful suit at Losercom that thinks he can go around with his hatchet man machete and lob people's heads off and give everyone pay cuts all over the country. Well, I wasn't having it, just so you know. So what I did was I did the John McEnroe cross-court return of serve winner. I gave him a taste of his own medicine. I quit and I took the TV job, signed the TV deal, and then I had given up my rights with radio. So now Lou Mayone and SportsGrid own my rights, and they were not happy about it. They were, you know, going at them uh, back and forth. It was ugly. The phone calls and the conversations were nasty. And then one thing led to another, and the guy that runs CBS Sports Radio, where I worked on a day-to-day basis, Mark Chernoff, who I like, I don't have a problem with him. I worked for Mark Chernoff for over 20 years, and uh, he likes me. I like him. I respect him. He respects me. We don't have a problem. I'd been a pain in his ass forever. When I lived in L.A., I was out of control. I was a lunatic. I was wild. I was high. I was drunk. Uh, I was insane, but I was also number one in New York and everywhere else for that matter. And I had the biggest syndicated sports radio show ever at the time in the 90s. I did it from L.A. and, and he was in New York at the fan, WFAN, and he was screaming and yelling at me and I was screaming and yelling back. So we had a real tenuous relationship, right? But one thing led to another, and uh, he got on the phone with me the week after Christmas, so the following week, the week, you know, leading up to New Year's Eve. A day or two before New Year's Eve, he begged me to come back. He said he would get me my money back. They wanted to give me this big pay cut. He said he'd get me my money back, and that he just wanted me to get back on the air. They had announced their lineup. They were going to move forward with me and he just wanted me to come back he'd get me my money back and we'd just keep moving on like nothing happened and then he you know was gonna just make that happen and I said all right I'll come back to work so I went back to work on January 1st under those stipulations I went back uh, and did a show on Wednesday the first New Year's night and I did uh, Wednesday Thursday Friday Monday and Tuesday and then what happened was, idiot face, Chernoff told him we got him back, but we need to do a deal. We got to get a deal done because I was never going to accept the money they offered me. I was never going to work for them for the money they offered me. And they knew that. 
So they had one week to make the deal happen. So that was from the Wednesday of New Year's Day, the following Wednesday, uh, which was whatever, the 7th or something like that. They had to get a deal done by then. So Tuesday night or whatever was the 6th or something like that. And I, that was the last show I ever did because the, the Wednesday uh, that this idiot face and my boss at SportsGrid could no longer come to any kind of an agreement about anything. They couldn't agree whether it was sunny or partly cloudy. And so they just ended it. And uh, my TV boss said, you're not going in there tonight. And uh, that was Wednesday. And I did not go back. I did not go in that night. And then they said they'd try to figure it out overnight. And Thursday, I got a call that uh, I wasn't going to be doing it ever again for them. So that's how it ended. They literally couldn't agree on uh, anything. And what we wanted to do was have me do the show uh, on TV in the evening from 4 to 6, 7 to 9, and then go do the radio show from 10 to 2. Or do a show from, you know, six to nine or whatever, seven to nine, and, and then go do the radio show 10 to two at uh, CBS Sports Radio. We were going to do both. And what they wanted to do was Sports Grid wanted to be my official partner with anything betting, anything odds making, anything handicapping. They would have been my source, a lot like ESPN has Caesars in Vegas is their source for everything sports betting wise. Sports Grid would have been my source. And uh, Idiot Face was unwilling to allow that to happen. Uh, Chernoff was. Idiot Face wasn't. Idiot Face has more power than Chernoff. Idiot Face said no to letting Sports Grid be on my show, on the network. Idiot Face would not even take a deal with Sports Grid paying for that time on my show as a sports betting segment. Like, you know, come on every night and do a segment with me and pay for the segment. He wouldn't agree to that either. Idiot Face is just a big tough guy, big, you know, suit, power tripper, Mr. Uh, Know-it-all. No one's going to tell him how to run his uh, radio stations. Well, I told him how he can go run his radio stations with his finger in his ass because I quit and that was the end of it. And I left and uh, I'm never going back. And that's that. And so it ended nasty, like an abortion. That's how it ended, just so you know. So it was a bloody mess on the hospital uh, room floor. And uh, an idiot face is the reason for all of it. It was not churn off. It was idiot face that ruined everything for everybody, ruined it for the fans, millions of listeners, sponsors. Uh, the best show left because idiot face... Uh, his ego's too big to cooperate with partners or other people. He doesn't listen to the talent. He doesn't listen to anybody. Uh, he's just Mr. Push and Shove and Get His Way. He reminds me of, and I've never met him, so just so you know, I've never met him. I don't even know the guy. But I'll tell you, Idiot Face, uh, to me, is like the spoon-fed little rich kid that always got his way. And when he didn't, he took his ball and went home, right? And then in the morning, Mommy and Daddy got him a BMW in the driveway because little Jimmy didn't have a nice day. So... You know, little Jimmy gets a new Beamer because little Jimmy had a rough day and the kids in the neighborhood pushed him around a little bit. When they were playing basketball, someone elbowed him in the mouth and it was Pharrell because I'm such a dick. 
So, listen, I'm happier than ever. I'm excited about doing the TV shows. Just so you know, I quit. I chose to go do Sports Grid. I chose to do the two TV shows on Sports Grid, Coast to Coast and In Game Live. That's what I want to do. That's the gig I wanted. That's the deal I signed. That's the money that I got. That's the everything. I got a long-term deal to do it. And I, I signed it and I'm excited and stoked and ready to go. And I'm already rocking on the air and it's badass. So I'm glad I did what I did. I'm sad that it ended that way for the fans and for my colleagues. I loved everyone there. Uh, I even loved Chernoff. I loved uh, David Myernick. I loved all my uh, colleagues, all the hosts on the air, all the update anchors, all the producers, all the tape op people, all the people from the fan, all the uh, people in the newsroom. Everyone there I got along with. There wasn't one person I didn't get along with except Idiot Face, who I hope rots in hell forever, and his family. So uh, I wish nothing but just the worst of life and luck and misery and suffering and plague and venom to him, uh, idiot face. But everyone else, uh, I love you. I'm cool with you. I enjoyed it. It was a great run. And uh, blame idiot face for uh, how it ended. You know, idiot face is the same guy that lets people smoke in the building at three, four, five against the law. And uh, idiot face is the same guy that lets people uh, have sex in the sales offices down there. You know, just right in the sales office, right on a desk. They just start getting it on little, little action, little. <laughs> idiot face is in charge of all the felonies going on down there at three, four, five Hudson. So, idiot face can kiss my ass six ways till Sunday. And like I said, if you want a piece, come get it, idiot face. I got something for you. My fist in your face, knock your teeth out. Other than that, I have no problem with the guy. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. So this has been literally the worst weekend of my life. I I can't even begin to tell you how awful it was. I'm going to just go with it and come out with it right now so you understand what happened. Obviously, if you follow me on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and things like that, you probably saw my social media that literally one of the best friends of my entire life, I've known him forever for you know decades, John Boy Inc., John Nevins, also known as Captain Thunder on my radio show. He's been on the show for years uh, doing NASCAR reports and uh, always was one of my greatest, dearest, coolest, badass friends. He died uh, over the weekend in a horrific skiing accident in the Appalachians. He was with his beautiful family, his amazing wife, Danielle, his just gorgeous daughter, Sammy, who's a freshman at University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And his just cool rock star son, Ty, 
who is a national champion dirt track quarter midget race car driver. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm sure I said that on the show over the years. But Ty's a great race car driver. He races against 30, 40-year-olds in the big boys racing dirt track quarter midgets. And he's literally moving up the food chain with the whole deal into stock cars and into NASCAR. That's the plan. And that had been the plan always because the guy is just on a tear. He's winning all kinds of races and going all over the country and racing in big events, NASCAR events and everything else. And he's one of the brightest drivers in the country. Ty is just complete, super talented, badass. So they were on vacation and they were with another family and they were skiing And John Boy used to go to the Appalachians all the time in the summer on his Harley and ride around the mountains. He was a really cool dude that loved to do stuff like that. So they were skiing and Friday night, right around midnight, they were night skiing. And one thing led to another. And all I know is John crashed into a snowmaking machine at a high rate of speed and was immediately on contact killed. They tried to revive him, and it took like an hour of that with EMTs and ski patrol people and the like trying to save him, but they were unable to revive him and bring him back, and he was gone. 52 years old, father of two beautiful, amazing kids, and also, tragically enough, it's Sammy, the daughter's birthday today, her 19th birthday. The whole thing is just so devastating for my wife, 34C, and I, and my kids, Gunner and Chop McKenna, that uh, I can't even begin to tell you. It's just been the most horrific, just torturous, awful, demeaning, just sad, heinous weekend ever. It has just, just been devastating for us. I got the call from Joey Blunts, my other good friend. You know, Blunts, Dro, and... John Boy Inc. and I were, uh, you know, the super quad. We were the the four dudes that always hung out. And Isidro Otis is a dear friend of mine from uh, Jersey who's a big record label guy in R&B and movie rights music. A lot of his talent, the people that work for him, he sells their material, their work for movies and the like to use in big screen adaptations and the like and he owns music rights and stuff like that the guy's really a big shot he's cool he was john boy inc's best man in his wedding he is the godfather of both ty and sammy and uh joey blunts lived with john boy in boca they were friends forever through their bonding over florida state football and uh, i'm a canes fan and i hate their guts but we all knew each other forever I've been going to Boca since I was a little boy, you know, five years old on. I've been going there my whole life. I've had a place there my whole life. I met John Boy that way and Blunt. And then uh, through the years and decades, we all became the closest of friends ever. The first time we met was, you know, when I was down there and golfing and the like. And I met him and we ended up going golfing and becoming friends fast And then, um, you know, time flew by, decades flew by, and they were fans of the radio show. I was on the air even in Miami one year, and they were living there. And then eventually, John Boy would move to Titusville, which is near Daytona. 
by Cape Canaveral where the NASA is and they set off rocket ships. He lived like five minutes from there near Cocoa Beach. They were there because of John's business and Danielle's business. She's in the hospital game. And then he was a thriving businessman. He had worked for a long time at John Hancock and various financial institutions and then started his own business which was um, this company that, you know, they found all the customers leads for car dealerships, car bandits, they called it. And then he turned it into boats and RVs and trucks and motorcycles and, you know, hogs and ninjas and, you know, ATVs, you name it, you know, anything at all to do with vehicles, he would have divisions in his company that found all the leads, the buyers for these various cars and trucks and boats and things like this and RVs and you name it. So he was a lead generator. And so all of these dealerships all over Florida would hire him to get them business. And he turned it into a gigantic operation with tons of employees. He was super successful. He made a ton of money. He was just a really smart dude really bright and uh he took risks which i loved about him he always had you know big balls to go after what he wanted in life the guy just was an amazing dude blunts called me our friend who lives now in near corona california outside of riverside he's married with a kid had his first kid who's like a year old He called me on Saturday afternoon. I got done playing basketball like I do every Saturday and Sunday. I fill it up, George Gervin style, son, dropping a thousand per. Anyway, I got the call in uh, the afternoon at around three o'clock on Saturday. And I have to tell you, it was really the worst phone call of my life. It was just so terrifying. I got this call from Blunts and he was just bawling. I mean, just wailing he was literally screaming in total just suffering crying in agony just pain in his voice it was just rifing through the phone into my ear into my head he was just screaming in pain and suffering and and bawling he couldn't control himself it was just something no one should have to ever go through what he went through what i went through I tried to understand what he was saying to me. He told me that John Boy was gone and I didn't understand what he was saying. And then he, you know, told me he was dead. And I was like, come on, that just can't even be. Shut the Pharrell up. That can't even be. What are you talking about? What What is happening here? Like, what are you saying to me? What happened? He couldn't even get through it. I mean, it was really bad. He was just stammering and and just wailing on and crying and, and he was suffering and I felt horrible for him and he eventually was able to spit it out that he had crashed in uh, the skiing accident. It's just awful. Like there were some reports of what happened from skiers. There were people talking about it, of the EMTs, the ski patrol, that they were telling everybody what had happened and how many people were there and what was going on and that this guy had crashed horrifically and that he had like broken his neck and died on contact and they couldn't revive him. So I get this phone call and I just, uh, I mean, it just changed my life forever. It just absolutely changed my life forever. You have to understand, I I saw this guy, saw him have children. I saw his kids grow up. I saw him, you know, in diapers. I saw him go to college. I saw Ty Racing 
cars. I saw, you know, from motorcycles in the yard uh, and ATVs in the yard to racing quarter midget pieces of steel driving 100 miles an hour around a racetrack against grown men. I seen it all. You know, we had an incredible friendship. My family would fly down there. He had a fat pad out in the middle of nowhere with a guest house and a pool and like a lot of acreage. And we used to ride motorcycles and ATVs all over the yard. And he taught me how to ride a motorcycle. He taught me how to ride an ATV. Once my wife, 34C, had me on the back of an ATV because I didn't know how to ride it. And she did a wheelie and I fell off and smashed my tailbone in and she kept going. And uh, she would ride Kawasaki 500s with Thunder and ride in mud and dirt and jump off jumps and and do all kinds of tricks in the air with Kawasaki's because 34C can ride motorcycles. She can ride dirt bikes and hogs. But we used to go down there and party with him and go to everything. I went to Daytona 500 with him. I've gone to 50 NASCAR races with him. I've met him for football games in the NFL a thousand times, Florida State, Miami games a thousand times. He would come back to New York. He grew up Long Island, Jersey, down Long Island City uh, on the shore, down the Jersey Shore. So he was a Jersey boy and he was a gigantic Yankee fan. We used to go to the Boogie Down Bronx and see the Yankees play the Red Sox all the time and we go out there and just absolutely get hammered and blow money on beer and shots. And we used to just get absolutely wasted going to Yankee games. We did everything, you know. He would come to see me do the radio show at Howard Stern at Sirius XM. He would come and, and do the show for a couple days and stay with me and go to work with me and go on the air with me and the radio fans all knew him as Captain Thunder. He knew more NASCAR and you know racing stuff than anybody else. And he developed this character with me. I basically gave him the name Captain Thunder to go with to you know promote himself and make a name for himself. He wanted to be a radio star himself because of me putting him on the air, right? Like so, I put him on the air and I I made him famous, and then everyone knew him, and and then he's like, I think I'm gonna do a podcast, so he started doing Captain Thunder Racing podcasts out of his home, and he developed a website. It was really cool. The website had just millions of NASCAR stories on it and interviews, and he did the show every week, and he was crazy. And racing fans were into it, and they all listened to it, and he was really popular. He went to all the races. Uh, He went to hundreds of races and met every race car driver in the world. You name it, Jimmy Johnson, Smoke Stewart, all of them. He knew all the owners of the racing teams, And he got to get in the media, you know. It all came together for him. But eventually, he knew he couldn't make a living doing it. So he stopped doing it. And he just stuck to the bandits business that uh, he did so well with and made so much money with. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. I just am so uh, blown away by 
just this terrible accident, this atrocity. It's just the absolute worst. It reminds me of Kobe, you know, uh, a week ago and a half, whatever it was. I was on the air on Sports Grid that Sunday when Kobe's helicopter crashed and he and his daughter and seven others uh, perished in Calabasas, California. That was bad. Uh, same kind of thing. You know, there's a big difference. He's, you know, ultra mega superstar famous and everybody wants a piece of Kobe Bryant and everybody honored Kobe Bryant and all the NBA teams paid their respects and did their 24 second, you know, an eight second this and that to uh, shut down the games and honor him. And they had moments of silence at every single NBA game for like a week. And then, you know, they ran 50 million TV shows about Kobe. They ran specials about Kobe. They ran stories about his Oscar that he won for his uh, short film, I Love Basketball, whatever it was called. He and his daughter, 13-year-old Gianna, they were killed in that horrible helicopter crash. And so everyone was talking about Kobe Bryant. And I was on the air on Sports Grid talking about it. And he was my favorite player. And when that happened, I was just, devastated. I felt horrible. I just couldn't believe it. I used to go watch Kobe play everywhere. I lived in LA for 10 years and would go watch him play, you know, 20 times a year. When I moved to New York, I went to see him play whenever he came to the Garden. I went to see him play whenever he played at Jersey at the Continental Airlines Arena. I went to go see him when I lived in Atlanta at the Omni. I went to go see him at the new Phillips Arena down there. I went to see him play in Miami when I lived down there. So I was the biggest Kobe Bryant fan you could imagine. And so, you know, when he died, I was blown away. It was horrible. That happened, and then the whole world was in mourning. It just tore everybody up, and it was just the worst thing. You know, they honored him at the Super Bowl. They honored him everywhere, and he deserved it, right? I mean, he was just one of the greatest players ever, but it just was so depressing that Kobe died and his daughter. It was just so terrible for everyone. I don't even think any players, fans, media, Everyday people just couldn't wrap their arms around it that this could happen, but it did happen, and it is what it is. It's just, it's a tragedy that's inexplicable. So we go through that, and, you know, this guy's helicopter crashes, and they all die. And then a week later, a week later, my best friend crashes skiing and dies. I just can't even tell you what it's done to me. It's just life-changing for the worse at the highest order. I mean, my wife and I, my kids all loved John Boy and and we love Danielle, Sammy and Ty and it's just been a just an absolutely terrifying experience for all of us like Saturday I spent all day crying. I haven't cried and really, I mean, legitimately cried and lost my cookies probably in 20 years, you know. But I cried all day Saturday. This is like one of my best friends my entire life. I lost him and he was 52 years old. I'm 54 years old. He's gone. It's He's not coming back. I'm never going to get to talk to him again. I'm never going to get to see him again except in pictures and videos. I have all the pictures I posted on uh, my Twitter all weekend of him. I have a lot of videos of us together and stuff and they're just going to fade in time. 
and get older and older, obviously, but in living color, in living person, in human touch, in real heartbeat life, I'll never see him again unless somehow I get into heaven, which I know he's already up there with the angels chilling the most. He was watching the Super Bowl with angels, flying with the angels, and I'll probably get tossed to hell in a bucket for the stuff I've done and the life I've lived and the sin and the greed and the bad things I've done and, you know, you name it, I've done it. Drinking, using, partying, smoking, doing... I did it all, hanging with rock stars on four or five day benders, Motley Crue, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. I'm friends with all those dudes, Sebastian Bach. You name it, I've done it, and uh, I deserve to go to hell. That guy deserves to be alive right now, and he shouldn't be gone, and this shouldn't have happened. I'll never be able to figure it out. I'll never understand it. I don't want to understand it. I don't want to go through this, but I am going through it. And it's it's just the worst. You know, I just started this gig at Sports Grid, And I got to say that Lou Mayone, the president and co-founder of the network, he's just the greatest guy ever. He called me on Sunday at the Super Bowl. He was in Miami at the Super Bowl and he took time to call me. He knew that my best friend had died and he reached out and he was beautiful and heartfelt apologies and all that stuff, whatever you want to call it, feeling bad for me and sorrowful for me and just so sad that it happened to us. And it isn't about me. It's about uh, John Boy. It's about John Nevins. It's about... The Nevins family. It's about Danielle and the kids, Sammy and Ty. It's about them losing their husband and father. It's not about Pharrell, but um, all of his best friends like me and Blunts and Dro and uh, Roger, another friend from Boca, Scott, Big Scott. All of us were a tight group. We were a team. We all got along. We all laughed and partied and, and lived life to the fullest and hung out together and did everything together and... To lose our friend like that is um, it's just a, a bad thing. It's its not cool. It's not supposed to happen, but it did, and it's just uh, terrifying. I got to tell you, like, I think, you know, obviously I just started this gig, and selfishly I have to be here. I have to do TV shows every day, you know, at 4 and 7 Eastern. I got to be on the air. I've gone through this before. In radio, when my dad died... This summer, July 2nd, I'll never forget my boss at CBS Sports Radio called me up to tell me how sorry he was that my dad had died, and he just wanted to make sure I was going to be on the air that night at 10 o'clock. So, scumbags in radio, they don't care if your dad dies, they don't care if your best friend dies, all they care about is you being on the air. I literally did my radio show live on that day and the very next day. It was a Thursday and a Friday. I did it this summer from Pittsburgh at at 93.7 The Fan. Great station. I love those dudes in Pittsburgh and the Steel City. I always loved uh, going home. That's where I'm from. I'm from Pittsburgh, and I used to love going to that station and doing my show. I could have retired there. I could have done my show there at the end of my career or any time for that matter I would have moved back there now I love Pittsburgh and 
I would have worked at that station. I love the people, Jim Gracie and the others that run it. Anyway, I was there when my dad died, and they made me do my show. They didn't care my dad died, and that's just all there is to it. So I buried my dad this summer. Then I buried 34C's dad in mid-November, November 15th. So I lost my dad and my wife's dad five months apart, basically to the day. And then my best friend dies in a skiing accident on Saturday. So I'm getting sick and tired of people I know and love dying. Uh, I've been uh, dealing with it a lot lately, and it's, I think, a little overwhelming for somebody to deal with. I've been doing the best I can. It's weird. When my dad died, I did the eulogy. I didn't cry at that. He had a long life, and uh, I feel like he was suffering in the end, and he got really sick and had a stroke and a heart attack, and he had Alzheimer's, and I thought it was good that the suffering uh, had come to an end finally and that he could go to a better place. And then when my wife's dad died, that was... Another case of dementia and Alzheimer's for like years, three years or so, he'd been battling it and he didn't know us anymore, he didn't know anybody, he was, you know, cabling in his pants and it just was awful. He had no clue who he was or where he was or anything else, he was just an absolute noodle and it was just unbearable to deal with it. So to see all that happen and then to have my best friend die Saturday is just too much for me to even comprehend, I can't even tell you what it's done to me but it is what it is i know this isn't fun it isn't entertaining to listen to this is real life stuff it's crazy but i've got to deal with it right so i think 34c is going to go down there to be with danielle and the family and uh, be there for this whole process of funerals and everything else i'm going to be here in new york doing the tv shows if one thing leads to another and that changes, so be it. I want to be there. I want to be there for my best friend's funeral and everything else. I just got a, a ton of responsibility here with my job and the new job and the new shows. And I just started and there's a lot on the line and there's pressure to do it. And he's an amazing guy, Lou Mayon, to say, go take care of your friend and this and that. And uh, I greatly respect him and appreciate it and everything. I think that uh, maybe the best thing is, depending on how it plays out with the arrangements, that 34C goes to the funeral and handles it and, and stays there for a little while with the wife and uh, the kids and makes sure they're okay. And even if I were able to go in there, it would be a hit and run for me. I'd be in and out. I can't stay and linger. I got to be here doing the show. So it is what it is. But it's been literally the worst. 2019 was the worst year of my life. And then 2020 begins this way. You know, it's just unacceptable. I just hate it. It's just ruined me. I don't even know whether I'm coming or going. And um, I'm really uh, bummed out about it. I'm, I'm really depressed about it. And uh I can't tell you how much I miss him already, and uh, life will never be the same without him. Uh, rest in peace, John Boy Inc., Captain Thunder, Johnny Nevins, my boy. I love you forever, and I'll always be there for your wife, Danielle, and your beautiful kids, Sammy and Ty. Count on that. I'll still be there uh, whenever they need me for anything ever. Forever. Anyway, how excited are you now? 
to know that I just did the first Pharrell on the Bench podcast for you, the Pharrell of Idians. And now I'm going to start doing it every day. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. It's supposed to be 48 minutes. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to talk that long every day. I have no idea. But there you go. There's the first one. Chew on that. I'll see you again tomorrow on Pharrell on the Bench. Shake out. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.